It's Thursday, September 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. And as you can probably tell from the ambient noise, not in the studio at Full Global Headquarters. I am at FinCon 2019 at the Washington Hilton in Washington, D.C., and I am joined by Robert Farrington, expert in student loan debt, founder of thecollegeinvestor.com, which, by the way, is one of the best resources for helping millennials get out of student loan debt so that they can focus on building wealth for the future. Robert, it is good to finally meet you. I've been reading your stuff for years. It is good to finally meet Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to meet you in person as well, and I just love FinCon, so this is just one of my favorite events of the whole year. So let's start with that, because you've been a bunch of times. This is my first time at yeah. FinCon. Uh, how do you describe FinCon to people? Because I'll, I'll tell you how I've described it, but you, first tell me, when you tell people, oh yeah, I'm going to FinCon, and they say, what's that? What do you tell them? It is where all of the best content creators in the money space, whether it's blogging, online, video, podcasting, Instagram, I don't know, whatever's next, come together and we talk about money, we talk about our business, we talk about helping each other and collaborating, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's the most welcoming community that uh, I think I've ever found. And it's educational, and there's a lot of savvy business folks here, and it's just really an amazing event. That's so much better than what I tell people. Because <laughs> I just, again, it's my first time, and I was just sort of going off of the FinCon website, where sure. one of the taglines is, where money nerds unite. Yeah. And I just thought, well, that's appropriate, you know, uh, given everything you just said. But, I, it, you know, to go, to touch on one thing you just said, I've been so blown away by the spirit here, just yeah. the enthusiasm, um, everyone here, th there's really a spirit of collaboration Absolutely. and excitement, um, which is great because for all of the work that you and I and so many people here do when it comes to money, investing, all things that touch money, whether it's buying a home, uh, buying a car, dealing with college debt, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Um, there's still so much work to be done. Absolutely, and I think you know the way people are getting their information has been transformed over the last 20 years, or and it continue it will continue to be. And that's what's so cool is these people are on the cutting edge of how to have money conversations online, offline, visually, audio. I mean, here we are recording a podcast. You know, like I mean, the mediums change, but you know, the math of money is the math of money. But there's so much more to it from money, like family psychology, like how do you make it fun? How do you make it education? entertaining like I mean I'm blown away by the people I find in this community and it's just so much fun to be a part of let's talk about the collegeinvestor.com you started that 10 years ago yeah what, what is your background and sort of what led up to you saying I'm gonna do this yeah so I started the college investor when I was wrapping up my last year of college and I thought that I was gonna be a college student talking about how to invest which, right or wrong, I did it, right? I started this blog and I was like, you should invest in XYZ stock and here's why. And, you know, but it was a fun start. And, and why I did it is I was always passionate about money. Uh, I've been side hustling and doing odd jobs. I started working at 16. I was selling stuff on eBay when I was 17. I like that kind of thing. And I started reading blogs and other personal finance sites. And I was like, this is cool. Like, I could do this too. And it was like the intersection of like multiple passions. I liked computers and technology. I liked writing, I liked money, and it all kind of came together in one, uh, you know, one blog, right? And here we are, 10 years later, and uh, we don't talk about how to invest in XYZ stock anymore. I've learned that lesson. <laughs> 
Well, I want to talk about your investing in just a second, but sure, let, sure, let, sure. Let, let's get to the college yeah. debt part because this is, I mean, you got more than 44 million Americans oh, who yes. have some form of outstanding student loan debt. You add it all up, the total debt is more than one and a half trillion dollars. You were leading a breakout session yesterday that I caught uh, a part of. And some of the stats that were being shared by some of the other people on the panel were, it really were just... It's scary. It's, yeah, scary is one of the words I would use. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is just a very challenging situation. It's the intersection of everything that people don't want to deal with. It's debt. It's taxes. It's family relationships. It's education. Like, there's a lot of these challenging topics that all kind of get intertwined, and it makes it a challenging thing. It's the government. And, you know, the government doesn't make it easy to get out of student loan debt. There are over 150 different variables and options on determining how to repay your student loans. It's not like you just go with it. And you can just go with it, but that might not be optimal for you. You might not be able to afford it. If you go down that path of you know, loan forgiveness, deferments, forbearances, like all the different repayment plans, like it's a very complex subject that it touches on a lot of things people struggle with. Well, and just as in the world of investing, we see more often than not with penny stocks, and this was something that uh, you guys talked about on the panel yesterday was, yeah, th there's an opportunity for people who want to start a business trying to help people pay off their student loans, and shocker, some of those people don't have the best intentions in mind. So there, there are absolutely products and services out there that maybe look pretty good on the surface, and once you dig into the nitty-gritty, um, they're almost like, predatory. The, no, there, and there are a lot of student loan scams. The CFPB and the FTC have been shutting down companies. Like It's like putting out wildfires. Like I'm seeing like they're, they're putting down like 40 a month or so, like all across the country of, you know, you're getting robocalls, and I bet you there's a lot of listeners that have gotten like a student loan robocall, like we can forgive your student loans if you call us. Like all these programs are government programs. They're clearly defined, and you can easily do it yourself. You can go to studentloans.gov. Uh, you know, we might rag on the government a little bit, but their student loan resources are actually phenomenal. And you can educate yourself, and it's like the material that you need to know. Um, and it's super easy. If you can fill out a job application, you can fill out all the forms you need to take care of your student loans. And hopefully, if you went to college, you could fill out a job application. It's just, it's confusing. It's hard. I, I get it. It's, it I, I joke here that it's kind of straightforward, but, you know, it is a little scary. Well, and it, but, but you mentioned something that we see in stock investing all the time, particularly as we've seen a little bit of increased volatility over the last six months or so. It just sort of, you can look at a stock, you can evaluate a business, look at the numbers. Emotion always plays a part in it. And as, you, and as you said, sometimes the dynamics at work here really are working against young people. It is. And, you know, I, well, let's, but let, you know I, we talk about these scary stats, but let's talk about some positive stats. So, you know, 30% of people still graduate debt-free today. There are no student loans. And so I think this, there's, this, there's this narrative right now that says you, go to, you have to get student loans to go to college. And that's not true. 30% of people don't have any student loans when they graduate college. A lot of states are making community college free. So you could go to community college for free and then transfer to a state school and not pay a bunch for your degree. You know? And then on the flip side, 70% of all borrowers are actually just fine. The debt was a good debt. 
You know, we talk about student loans as being this bad debt, but just like buying a house, it's not necessarily a negative. If you buy too much house and overextend yourself, that's a negative. And it's the same when it comes to paying for college. If you pay for too much for college and overextend yourself, and then you don't get a high paying job that can service that debt after graduation, that's where you run into problems. It's people, you know, it's the, 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 the joke where you become an art history major and you pay $200,000 in private loans to be an art history major and you become a docent at a museum and you're only making 12 bucks an hour. That's cool. If you want to be a docent in a museum, like don't let me stop you, but you shouldn't borrow $200,000 to do it. You could probably get educated and do things in other ways that make you have a positive ROI on your education spending. And that's what I really want people to think about when it comes to student loans is paying for college is an ROI. Education is free. You can go to cornell.edu and watch every single class that's taught at Cornell. It's free online. So if you want to just get education for the sake of education, go learn something. But you're going to college because you're trying to get a better job prospect or a, you're trying to network or you're trying to get specific skills and you're paying money for it. So it's an investment just like you'd buy a stock or you'd invest in a business. And that's what people need to think about when it comes to paying for college is how much you're going to spend and then what you're going to potentially earn when you graduate. But don't get me wrong. That's also tough to tell a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old. But that's how you need to think about the conversation. <laughs> Where do you, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you think the conversation is in five or ten years, whether it's with student loan debt on its own or just with college education? Well, because it, it, certainly in the greater D.C. area over the last couple of years, We've seen stories of smaller colleges closing down, yeah, just because smaller private colleges closing down because they they can't make the business work. Well, you know, and the narrative is out there. All the politicians are talking about different plans and proposals. So it is getting this light shined on it. And the problem is there's two parts. It's how do you deal with the current set of borrowers, which is one huge problem. And then there's a the second problem of how do you deal with the rising cost of college and all the associated costs there, which is a second problem. You're targeting two different demographics and two different things. Things, and the strategies don't really overlap with them. For the ones that currently have student loans, we're going to need to look at reforming student loan repayment plans. The problem is there, there shouldn't be 153 variations on how to pay, repay your student loans. Slim it down, make it reasonable, make it affordable. I, I don't think the forgiveness proposals are going to go anywhere, but it's good to talk about. But you also have to think about, you know that right now, today, with no changes to the law, 50% of all student loan borrowers qualify for some type of loan forgiveness. Might not be total but some type of loan for out, 50% of them do. So it's like, we're, we're already having these conversations that you know you go into certain jobs, jobs are now offering student loan repayment assistance, so there are already reforms happening on the borrower side that you already have the loans. Um, are they what we need? I don't know, but I think we continue to have these discussions and we look for you know solutions, it'll start seeing some positive change. Uh, real quick on investing, yeah. um, without getting overly personal. Sure. How do you invest your money? I mean, you're someone who uh, has made a business out of helping people, uh, particularly younger people, deal with these types of issues um, so that they are in a position where they can be proactive in saving for their retirement, yeah. becoming financially independent. Sure. What is your investing strategy? So I'm a long-term buy and hold, low-cost index fund guy. I keep it simple. 
uh, the biggest bane of my investing existence is that I have so many dang different accounts. You know, you got a traditional IRA, Roth IRA, brokerage. It's like I, I wish it was even more consolidated because I really am believing in the, the simple long-term growth of my money uh, over time. I mean, everyone knows the studies at this point in time. Uh, you know, there's arguments for and against. And I will say, like, I one of the reasons that got me started is that I had some, I was, a, I picked stocks for a while and I had some really great early wins. Probably the worst thing that ever happens to me <laughs> because you should never have really great early wins because it sets you up for long term failure unless you really think about it. <laughs> uh, there are a bunch of people I've talked to who have had early experiences that have then informed what they do, and in some cases it's, <laughs> they started picking stocks in the late 90s and thought, I'm brilliant at this, right. <laughs> and then found out the hard way that, no, there were a couple other things working in their favor. And by the way, I've heard people in the other direction where it's, they bought a couple of stocks early on, Yeah, it didn't work out, and they swore off investing in stocks for the rest of their lives. And that's the hard part, is that, you know, however you choose to invest, you know, equities as an asset class have had a, you know, like about a 9 to 10% average return over a 100-year history, and, you know, that could skew one way or another, but it's an asset class that I invest in. I also invest in real estate, because um, that's an asset class I have. I have my business that I invest in, and I yield it, and then I have myself that I come to conferences. I try to educate myself and my own earning potential and build out the future for me. And so that's also how I view it. I view paper assets as just one bucket versus real estate, business, myself, um, beyond just how do you diversify within those buckets. Uh, last thing before I let you go, because I know you're really busy, you're a lifelong son of San Diego, California. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is, we were talking about before we started recording, I've only been to San Diego a couple of times. It's one of those places that you go to and if you're from anywhere else, you think to yourself, why doesn't everybody just live here? So right. for anyone who is visiting San Diego, what is, you know, one or two things that they should either do or maybe restaurants, we need a couple of recommendations okay, here well, from a native. Yeah, so San Diego is the craft beer capital of the world. Sorry, Oregon. Or, <laughs> you know, no, it's San Diego. So if you're a beer drinker, check out San Diego. It's like 100 breweries, but known for IPAs, okay? Mexican food phenomenal. There's a lot of great taco shops. Puesto is one of my favorites. It's down by the water. Great street tacos, like the best you'll ever have. They also have phenomenal margaritas, if you like margaritas. Okay. All right. And then, you know, like there's so many great things. I mean, we're on the beach. You have the zoo. You could go to Legoland. You can go to the mountains. I mean, uh, San Diego and Southern California is one of the places where you could actually snowboard, bike, and surf all in the same day if you time it right with the right weather. <laughs> so, you know, like, check it out. There's a lot to do. <laughs> I will. Everyone should check out San Diego and check out thecollegeinvestor.com. Robert Farrington, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. This is fun. I appreciate it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, even though we didn't talk about individual stocks today. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Fool. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Sale. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Monday.